This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks so much for tuning in to Shine On. We're going to talk about animals today. Most specifically, we're going to talk about owls. Owls. Yes. And you're going to love it. I promise. I wish I could remember what I was reading the other day about the opportunities that animals create for us. And when I was reading it, Wherever I was reading on a device of some kind, I was like, I have to save this for Shine On. But I didn't send it to myself, and now I can't find it. But the article, this particular article, was talking about dogs, and not only how they show us unconditional love, but how our pets create the conditions for us to be free, to feel love and compassion and joy on a completely new level right? Like even when you come home to your pets, or if you don't have pets, if you see animals out in nature, animals can create the conditions that stir things within us that make us feel all kinds of crazy good or wonder or intrigue just by their very existence. That's if you like animals. But even if you don't, I think that's the mission this week. Let's turn our eyes and ears and hearts to see the natural world and all the beauty there and how it changes us and how it unites us. A Zen master by the name of Chang Chuchen said, in a moonlit night on a spring day, the croak of a frog pierces through the whole cosmos and turns us into a single family. That's what we'll explore today as we shine on. Brought to you by New York Ketamine Infusions. When traditional depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorder treatments don't work, contact them for more about this game-changing therapy at nyketamine.com. If you're coping with depression and nothing has worked, New York Ketamine Infusions would like to hear from you. They're accepting new patients suffering from depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Ketamine works differently than traditional treatments and they're the most experienced ketamine infusion center in the nation. New York Ketamine Infusion's physician-led team safely administers doses tailored for each patient and boasts an impressive 84% success rate. To learn more, visit nyketamine.com. Hi, it's Casey. Thanks so much for tuning in to Shine On. We're talking about the natural world today. We're talking about owls in particular. And I have heard some crazy stories over the years about people having owl visitations like owls showing up and sitting on their back deck or owls three at a time showing up and sitting on the telephone wire. Owls. I have never, ever seen an owl in the wild, although I have looked. And our guest today, Jennifer Ackerman, the New York Times bestselling author of The Genius of Birds and the Bird's Way, is here with a new book to tell us most people don't get to see owls 
in the backyard. And when they show up, it's impressive. A couple of weeks back, I was at the Sunday market on the river in Verplank, and we had a naturalist come, and he was entertaining the kids and the grown-ups with all sorts of animals. And he brought out a beautiful, I think he called it an Inca owl. It was a dark brown color with these enormous eyes, and it looked like the eyes were made up with makeup, you know, with the beautiful rings around the eyes, and just so uh, intricate, the patterns on the owl. And the owl, the way it just so calmly looks at people, you feel like the owl is looking right through you. And in one of life's strange coincidences, I came to work the next day and found out Jennifer Ackerman has a new book all about owls. So we're going to find out what an owl knows. But maybe the symbolism of owls means something to you. There's so much owl decor you can buy and lots of people wear owl jewelry. Some people believe that owls symbolize death or change or transformation. Owls are mysterious. They live in darkness. But Jennifer is going to shed some light on owls today. They've been around a long time, like 65 million years. Think about that. Owls have been on the planet for 65 million years. Their hearing is incredibly powerful, and their brains are like, I don't know, radar. They can make mathematical computations based on sound to pinpoint where their prey is. Owls are very individual. They have lots of different personalities. Owls have very different sounds and hoots, and their voices are so distinctive that researchers can recognize one owl from another and even, like, follow their lives. They know the owl by its sound, and that's how owls recognize each other and identify themselves and communicate with not only other owls, but also their rivals. Owls are so good at a lot of things, but they're not builders. They don't even make their own nests. Some owls can be very generous to their family members. And what an owl knows is an awe-inspiring exploration of, of owls across the globe. Now, we've spoken to Jennifer Ackerman before. She lives in Virginia. Last time we spoke, she was living with a great big dog, and they had lots of birds in the backyard which she's written about for National Geographic, The New York Times Magazine, Scientific American, and so many other publications. Jennifer Ackerman has won all sorts of awards and fellowships, including a National Endowment for the Arts Literature Fellowship. So, Jennifer, let's explore why owls captured your imagination. You know, they just made my head kind of sizzle with questions. They're just so intriguing, so mysterious. Where do you start when you're going to write a book about owls? You could go anywhere in the world, really and you would find owls. You know, they live on every continent except Antarctica, so they're they're everywhere. But um, I started in my own backyard. I started here in Virginia, and I um, banded northern solid owls with um, some citizen scientists, volunteers in Powhatan, Virginia. I went to Montana to the Owl Research Institute uh, to work with Denver Holt there and his team. And they, they have 15 species of owls out there. It's just not fair. But they have a lot of... A lot of species and they're doing really interesting work. And then I went to Brazil with uh, southeastern Brazil, which is a kind of hot spot of owl diversity also, with um, David Johnson, who runs the Global Owl Project, and he was working on with a Brazilian team on uh, burrowing owls down there. So the, those were my, my three main areas of research, but I also did a um, lot of, of uh, research on, um, by, you know, talking to people and by phone and, and Zoom. And Did you say burrowing owls? <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. 
burrowing owls are um, one of the more amazing species. So they actually nest underground in the burrows that are dug by prairie dogs, uh, groundhogs, uh, armadillos, skunks. They nest in these in these uh, burrowing burrows. And the very cool thing about these birds is that the males actually decorate the mouths of the burrow. So they bring in all kinds of stuff. I've, I've seen, um, you know, bison dung, coyote scat, um, little bits of, of uh, moss and grass and corn cobs and swatches of fabric. And they actually have preferred colors. They like red and white over blue and green. Um, and these kinds of decorations that the male brings in, they are actually to say to other signal to other males that this burrow is taken. You know, I'm I'm a tough guy. I look at all the stuff I collected. This is my burrow. Don't you come near it. And uh, and David Johnson, who I worked with, uh, said that you know if you if you want to say that you're a tough guy in the world of burrowing owls, you decorate your home. <laughs> this is crazy. This stuff is crazy. It really is yeah. crazy. Now, um, reading about you and about this book, I understand that owls are not like in the union. They don't build their own homes. They take other people's homes. So you said the burrowing owls take uh, things that have already been built and other owls don't nest. The ones that are up in the trees, they don't build their own nest. No, they they um, they commandeer the nests of other birds. So, for instance, like a medium-sized owl, like a long-eared owl, will take over the the nests of magpies and crows. Bigger owls, like great horned owls and great gray owls, they will commandeer the nests of, of ravens and hawks. So you say commandeer? So they're kicking somebody out? Yeah, a lot of times the nests are abandoned, but sometimes yes, they will. Uh, they will absolutely evict the current owners. <laughs> mm. All right, all right, all right. I love them anyway. I mean, they have their reasons, I'm sure. Now, tell me about the owl's ears. Well, first of all, you know, most people think that that those little tufts that extend to the top of the head that those are the ears of an owl. They're not. They're just um, they're called plumicorns, and they're part of its camouflage. The actual ears of an owl are just holes in the side of its head that are covered with feathers. But it's really what's inside those holes that's just amazing. The the um, the owls. Uh, inner ears, they're called the Ferraris, the race cars of sound sensitivity. And they have their hearing organ, which is the cochlea in the brain, is really, really big. It's like easily three or four times the size of the cochlea in other owls. And it gives um, owls the, the, the kind of hearing sensitivity that's just almost unmatched in the animal world. I'm thinking, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of one of those TV shows from the 70s or 80s, like the Bionic Man or the Bionic Woman, remember? And it go, you know, that supersonic, <laughs> supersonic powers. That's what I think when I think of an owl's ear. They're not just hearing things. They're like, they're getting all kinds of information, right? Yes, they are, and they coordinate their vision and their hearing. So they they are really using both to zero in on their prey, and they they have just really astonishing abilities to locate very prey that's making very quiet noises. And one of my favorite examples is the uh, the great gray owl, which has an astonishing ability. It can hear and detect a vole that's just making a little muffled sound burrowing under 
under a foot and a half of snow. And this is in the pitch dark. Owl is up in the tree, and it still hears this little muffled rustle of, of its prey. Cool. And what's happening when the owl, like, tilts its head sideways? It's trying to get a better look at you. <laughs> so, you know, the, the thing about owl eyes is that they're tubular, they're rigid, and they're locked in place in a kind of forward gaze. And that gives them a very narrow field of view. So if they want to keep something in sight and they can't move their eyes, they actually have to move their heads. And so when you see, when you stand near an owl and you sort of see it bob and, and turn its head, it's trying to get a better look at you. And while it's a, it's a myth that owls can actually turn their heads um, 360 degrees around, they can, some species at least, turn their heads three quarters of the way around, which is about three times the flexibility that we humans possess. Hi, it's Casey. You're listening to Shine On. Jennifer Ackerman is our guest, and we'll talk about spotting owls in the wild after this. If you're coping with depression and nothing has worked, New York Ketamine Infusions would like to hear from you. They're accepting new patients suffering from depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Ketamine works differently than traditional treatments, and they're the most experienced ketamine infusion center in the nation. New York Ketamine Infusions' physician-led team safely administers doses tailored for each patient and boasts an impressive 84% success rate. To learn more, visit nyketamine.com. Hi, it's Casey, and we're talking talking about the wildly mysterious owl with writer Jennifer Ackerman. I think I have only seen owls with naturalists and at zoos. Does the average person see a lot of owls in the wild? No. I mean, it's it's very hard to see an owl. And um, you know, some people are lucky enough to have some nesting in their yards. But most of us, um, you know, owls make a point of being very inconspicuous. They have beautiful camouflage incredible. They just disappear into their environment. And then they have this very quiet flight, this very stealthy flight, so you can't hear them. The only way you can really detect them is through their vocalizations. You know, they live in a world of sound. They communicate with each other by voice. So you can hear an owl um, giving its territorial calls, but then actually locating the owl is very, very challenging. And, you know, no, most people are like you. They've never seen an owl in the wild, at best an owl in, in a zoo or an aviary. Okay, good. I feel better about that. Now, in your book, the book is called What an Owl Knows, the New Science of the World's Most Enigmatic Birds. Jennifer Ackerman is our guest. Tell us about the owl that she shares its food. Ah, yeah, this is um, <laughs> this is one of those great examples. You know, you think of, um, this is, envision a nest with, um, with uh, little owlets in it, and you think about siblings kind of fighting over food. Um, but it's uh, not always the case. It turns out with, um, with some barn owls, they will actually, um, the older siblings will share their food with the younger siblings. And this is a terrific thing for the parents because it relieves them of the responsibility of seeing that everybody gets fed and it can allows them to go out and, and do more hunting. Um, but it's a, it's, it was one of the great surprises that, um, that researchers uncovered, um, and I was delighted to discover in, in researching the book. What do you think their motive is? Do they want everybody to be fat and healthy so everybody can go out and hunt? Is that it? Well, sometimes it's a it's a kind of um, tit for tat. Like sometimes a, a, a smaller outlet, a younger outlet will 
preen a an older Alice, so that's kind of like you preen me and I'll feed you. So there's a little bit of that going on. Um, but it's also, I think, uh, you know, at some level, a benefit for the the whole um, uh, group, the whole family of of birds for this kind of feeding to go on. Mm-hmm. And you have written that owls have personalities, different personalities and emotions even. Yeah, they do. This this is um, in really interesting information that has come out of um, people who work with owls uh, kind of close up one-on-one. These are um, people who train owls to be education birds, ambassador birds, you know, and they go out into the public to teach people about owls. Um, and also uh, people who work at rehabilitation clinics, so they are healing injured owls and work very closely with them. And, you know, we, we, we sort of thought, yeah, well, you know, owls don't have personalities. They aren't individuals, but it turns out they have very individual personalities. They have um, uh, uh, feelings and emotions. You know, they, they feel fear and stress, uh, relaxation, irritation, comfort. And the trainers have actually learned how to read this behavior. They used to think that owls were, you know, just not very smart, difficult to train, but that was because they didn't understand how to read their behavior. And now that they are, they've really done a 180 on the intelligence of owls. They really feel like uh, actually owls are very smart. They're just harder to read. And uh, and now that they're learning some of those signals, um, they're they're doing you know really remarkable work with with owls. I get it. I have eight chickens, and they're all so different. Some are friendly, some are shy, some are bold. You know, it's amazing. Um, okay, so yeah. I, I wanted to ask you now the owls in Peru. So this. But this is the astonishing thing. There are 260 species of owls, you know, and they live on every continent except Antarctica. They live in, in every kind of habitat. And new species of owls are still turning up. Um, it, scientists were really astonished to discover a little bird called the long-whiskered owlet, which lives in the Andes Mountains of northern Peru. And it's a tiny, bizarre little owl. It was discovered in the 1970s, and it's so different from other owls that scientists actually gave it its own genus. It's called Xenoglox, which means strange owl in Greek. It's just one of the species, that new species that have turned up. There's a, a, another new one that turned up uh, last year off on an island, the island of Principe off the coast of Africa. So we are still discovering new species of owls. That's amazing. All right. Uh, I just have to ask some personal questions. Have you seen the documentary All That Breathes? No. Please see the documentary All That Breathes. It's about um, two brothers in Africa, and they are wildlife, big birds of prey rehabilitators. I've heard about these guys. Yeah, and they're, they're do, the two of them are, are working wonders, right? Right. In um, caring for these birds. Yeah. So go, you have to check that out. And what I also I want will. to know is, um, what kind of animals are you living with? What do you have in your home? <laughs> I have just one very lovable dog. He's a mutt, and he's 13 years old, and, and it's just the two of us here. Um, but, you know, uh, the 
outdoor world is my is my sanctuary, and I have a yard full of birds. Unfortunately, no owls at the moment, but I have lots of nesting um, species and, uh, you know, just tremendous variety in my yard. I think at one point we counted something like 60 species of birds, so lots of, lots of outdoor pets. <laughs> Wonderful. You know what? Uh, that's what you said last time. It was just you and your dog, and I'm so happy to know it's the same dog. That's so fantastic. Um, wonderful. What else would you like people to know about Jennifer Ackerman and just your work in general? Well, I think, you know, the, the aim of my work is really for, for people to come to see these birds, whether they're owls or other birds with awe, and really to think of them as these very subtle, very ingenious and fascinating creatures. You know, and also to question whether owls and other birds, they might be showing us different ways of, of knowing and being in the world, you know, different forms of intelligence. And I think the last thing is I just really hope people come away from my work caring even more about the, the survival of these magnificent birds and, and that they'll lend a hand to, to organizations that are working for owl conservation. Jennifer Ackerman, her new book, What an Owl Knows. If you get a minute today, I want you to go on Instagram and look at Nathan Clark Wildlife. Nathan Clark Wildlife has videos, up-close videos of owls, and there's one particular owl video. They're all going to make you lose your mind, but there's one particular where it's a mommy owl, like a mommy gray, great gray, and she's nuzzling with her little baby owlets. It's crazy. Nathan Clark Wildlife. Check that out on Instagram. Lose your mind, owl videos. We'll be right back for ways we can spend time in nature together right after this. If you're coping with depression and nothing has worked, New York Ketamine Infusions would like to hear from you. They're accepting new patients suffering from depression, PTSD, anxiety, and other mood disorders. Ketamine works differently than traditional treatments, and they're the most experienced ketamine infusion center in the nation. New York Ketamine Infusions physician-led team safely administers doses tailored for each patient and boasts an impressive 84% success rate. To learn more, visit nyketamine.com. Hi, it's Casey, and I thank you for tuning in to Shine On, and I want to invite you to spend some time in nature just as soon as you can. I want to leave this funny picture in your head. I was sitting by my pool the other day. I have an above-ground pool, and I sit on the top step of the ladder and let my feet fall into the pool, usually while my husband's swimming around in the pool. And I usually have a frosty drink in my hand. And this was the scene just the other night as uh, my husband's swimming around and, and my toes are in the water. And all of a sudden I heard wild fluttering and I turned around and howled with laughter. One of my chickens had flown up to sit on the edge of the pool with me. I have eight chickens and one in particular always wants to be by my side. But that was quite the sight the other night. My husband swimming and me sitting poolside with a beverage in one hand and a chicken on my lap. It truly is amazing what a little wildlife can do for you. And when I started the show today, I talked about how animals create the conditions for us to feel such a wide range of things just by them being animals and I felt incredible joy when little fettuccine flew up to sit next to me. So here's the invitation for us to spend time together in nature this summer. My July retreat coming up 
uh, oh gosh, soon, next weekend at Graymore Spiritual Life Center. That is completely sold out. But we will have another retreat at Mariondale in Ossining, New York, August 18th, 19th, and 20th. And I promise you, lots of time in nature, early morning stretching and breathing in nature, if you don't want to sleep in, that is. Plus nature trails with a little prayer hut, plus a labyrinth that we can walk around. And we'll have lots of great speakers, too. So we can truly connect reconnect to ourselves, restore our spirit. All of that is waiting for you. And you can get more information at caseysplace.com and at mariondale.org. If you're not free this summer, we are planning a day of gratitude in October. And that will be a Graymore Spiritual Life Center in Garrison. And we'll talk more about that as we get closer. And we do have our monthly Zoom free and open to everybody. That's coming up on Monday, July 17th at 6 o'clock. It's just 45 minutes long. I hate to bring you indoors in the middle of summer, but you might need a little reconnect, a little visualization, a little meditation. We'll do that Monday night, July 17th, 6 o'clock. And you can find the link to that at caseysplace.com or just reach out. I'll send it to you. And our thought for the day today is inspired by my friend Melissa, who says, you never see me on Sundays because Sundays I spend the day in the woods. That's my church, she said. So in honor of Melissa and her day in the woods, our thought for the day comes from John Muir. John Muir was an influential explorer, adventurer, and naturalist. He was a writer. He was born in Scotland, moved to the United States with his family when he was just a boy in 1850. He traveled throughout the northern U.S. and in Canada. He had so many adventures and we're so lucky he wrote about them. And in almost all of his writings, he's nudging us to get out there and enjoy nature. And it was John Muir who said, keep close to nature's heart and break clear away once in a while and climb a mountain or spend a week in the woods. Wash your spirit clean. Shana. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine on.